to expect when expecting. Well, what did you expect? Star-studded rom-com. Is it Love Actually? Is it Valentine's Day? Is it Disaster? Is it Masterpiece? I, uh, we, uh, we, uh, no, yes, perhaps, maybe. It's a split vote this time, but who's splitting, Ryan or Kelly? I'm not going to spoil it. You have to listen to the whole thing. And it is the intro after all, so I can't, you know, show my cards too early. But it is what to expect when expecting. It is a movie about motherhood, fatherhood, pregnancy, giving birth, all the fun stuff that comes with it. We're not experts in the field of being mothers, but we are getting experience in becoming fathers. And I like to think that we are bringing something interesting to the table when we're watching a movie like this. I think we're somewhat qualified at looking at this film. It's definitely interesting. All I'll say is that. It's what to expect when you're expecting. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. I am Kelly McCrillis, and as always with me is my host... Ryan Graves, just your host. I'm not even your co-host. I'm your host. Well, I'm welcome, the host. Welcome I'm the to our restaurant. In your veins. Welcome, welcome to our restaurant where uh, Ryan Ryan will seat you, and then I'll come take your order just a little in a little bit after you've settled in, <sighs> after you've gotten your waters. Please sit down. We've got a nice, fine time for you. An hour and a half of taking a look at one. I don't. That's. Uh, I don't know. What's the kind of film that we're looking at today? Is it a god awful film? Is it a great film? Is it is it competently mediocre? What do you say? <laughs> you've really what say you. You've really stumbled into a place of not wanting to talk about what you almost talked about. <laughs> well, well. Before we get into that, let's just let's just bring it on back. Bring it on back to me, where I've got a. You know, sometimes we do a game up top, right? And I, uh, that's more for us. It's, it's fun for us. It's entertaining to our audiences, but something that's been bothering me of late, having been so long away from my wife is I'm not doing a lot of romantic things right now. And I thought since you and I have this platform, maybe we could help other people be romantic. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I'd love to help them be romantic. So what I've done is gone on a long search through Atlanta's Craigslist mixed connections. Oh, God. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just the recent ones, just from this last week. And I've, uh, I thought maybe we could help people find each other by maybe shouting out some of the good ones here on uh, A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. What do you, what do you say? Happy to help. Okay. Happy to help. I'm going to have you start us off. Okay. Okay. And so I'm going to, well, and, and just history, I love misconnections. It's something when I'm out riding and I'm stuck, sometimes I'll read some misconnections because there are so many different flavors. It's like walking into 31 flavors of, man, there's a lot of different ways to love someone out there. <laughs> and sometimes it's creepy. Sometimes it's like just overtly sexual. Sometimes it's extremely sweet. Sometimes it's existentially bitter, but, um, mm. I like them a lot. And so, uh, Ryan walk down this primrose path of missed connections. Happy to. And I would like for you to read the, the title of it as well. Cause I feel like titles are very important in misconnections. <laughs> okay. The title of the, this first one fit female at crab apple Kroger. 
Is and it crab apple or is it crabapple? Miss crabapple? I, I think it's crabapple. Uh, and you got to <laughs> say the neighborhood just because we're trying to help people like find. Oh, find this is in the Roswell neighborhood. Give, give me an equivalency of the Roswell neighborhood. What's it like up there? I've never been there. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, I bet there's aliens, maybe. <laughs> God, okay. Uh, this is, the, this is the, the entry. You, dot, dot, dot. About 5'5", five, five, 115, fit with enhanced chest. Now, does he mean enhanced like the Terminator 2 is I enhanced? I think so. Uh, the, the world like, we're these building these are bionic right here, boobies. I think these are <laughs> like, aliens, and um, one of them has gotten like a new breastplate on recently yeah. yeah 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 i mean it's it's kind of like in D D when you're you're like level four and five you get the first like upgrades to your to your to your armor class exactly right? the krabappel um like uh what is a what is a good D krabappel um the krabappel wooden armor mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah there you go okay you are in a workout outfit that was very form-fitting well I, I would i would think so yeah. you know if you notice the enhanced chest you know good for you uh, me, 6'3", professional with a fit athletic build. I mean, you got to keep up with the with the enhanced chest. Former college athlete. Hello. Yeah, what, Hello. what, what, co- like, this could mean anything, though, right? It's, it could Like, be- which division? Are you division three or div- division one? Like, what, what's going on? Is this golf? Like, I, <laughs> um, okay, continue on. You seemed to be following me all over the store. Smiled a few times, but didn't say anything. Uh, I was going to introduce myself, but couldn't find you. Okay, if she was following you all over the store. (laughs) So I I think he's being followed around by a ninja of some kind, because he must have noticed her at one point in time, but she kept hiding really well from him. Maybe? (laughs) Who's who's following (laughs) you here? No. If you fit this description, message me. I would like to know you on a passionate level. (laughs) I, I I like the... I like the access here because he's saying if you fit this description. So really, anyone who's five five one fifteen with an enhanced chest, he wants to know you. He liked this alien ninja with a breastplate, but he'll take anybody with that description. You know, he didn't say that he was male. He just said that he was six three professional with a fit athletic build, former you know, college athlete. That is so, that is true. Um, excuse me, we. We'll just say they for now. We're not sure. Yeah, we're, they are. They are six three and possibly played golf. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna read one now. Um, <clears throat> this is this is fun. We should do this for any any community. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Let's 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 help the world out in our way. Honestly, um, I want to put a call out to anybody out there. If you see any really good um, misconnections on your local Craigslist, send them to us and we'll, email read, us. we'll read them. Romcomgents yeah. at gmail.com. We will read them. If I want to know if they're good enough. We should have a collection of these. <laughs> so next is, <clears throat> and there were quite a few of these that down here in um, Atlanta, there are a lot of um, wood based metaphors in their misconnections. Like, I mean, a lot, oh, okay. like a lot, a lot. <laughs> okay. The title is Lost My Aged Hardwood Delivery Man. Oh, God. I mean, you always hate to lose your delivery man of hardwood. Hate, uh, to, hate to lose the hardwood. This, this is in Gainesville for anybody who's looking for um, their delivery man or who's a lost delivery man who wants to find somebody. It goes like this. Need another aged hardwood delivery man as soon as possible. Have COVID safe shed for you to deliver wood to. Regular regular deliveries preferred. <laughs> That's it. Wait. No. 
<laughs> I have seen this porno. Yeah, I yeah. have. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I know um, this one. The Lumberjack Five. <laughs> this is the kind of porno that Joey Tribbiani would find himself accidentally acting in. Hey, what is this in my pocket? Why, it's Joey's porno movie. Oh, for certain. Thanks for the plaid. Okay. Uh, now, where do you want this wood delivered to? All right, Ryan, I've got another one for you. Okay. <clears throat> this one's a little shorter than your first, but um, I think uh, all the better for it. Okay. I, I'm going to need you to, like, we are both English majors, and I'm going to need you to really, like, lean into saying these these words right, okay? Oh, okay, okay. Looking. The title is Looking for... Your baby. <laughs> That's spelled. Spell it out with me, everybody. Write it down as I say it. S G U A R space B A E Y B. Baby. I like it. Also, well, and he's going to get, or whoever wrote this is going to get into it. Spelt wrong intentionally, smiley face. Looking for an AA or darker skinned toned skewer baby. Please, <laughs> you please sound like a broken be, computer. <laughs> please be under 30 years, in decent shape, good at communication. Well, I should hope so. Goal oriented. <laughs> please know professionals that provide services and no men. Only looking for a regular girl that needs a little help and also a friend. I don't know what this is about. So. I can I I sussed this after reading this a couple times I figured it out. A sugar baby is someone who needs a sugar daddy, I believe. Oh, okay. So And um, so this is the the first time I've ever seen somebody like come out on misconnections and be like, "Look, I'm looking to pay somebody not necessarily for their services cuz no professionals, but I still want to make your life good so that we could have sex, quote unquote, be friends. Okay. So do you know much about the sugar daddy culture? <laughs> no, I've never been rich enough myself. <laughs> well, I, I, this is something that I, I you know, I, I learn every day about cultural things that I've never been near. And I like, this is a plot point in the new movie that came out. Shiva baby. Have you heard about Shiva baby that no. came out? past couple months no it's supposed to be a really good indie film but it's about this uh young i think she's like going to nyu and she's going to a shiva but she runs into her sugar daddy there Mm. and they got to be like you know coy about things sure but uh, it was a new concept that the sugar daddy pays the girl for sex but there's kind of like a it's an ongoing thing Mm -hmm. am am i supposed to understand do you know anything am i so a sugar baby, a sugar daddy or a sugar baby, a baby, um, the, the whole conceit is that like we are dating, but we're mainly dating so that the person with more money can have sex with generally a younger person. And that person also kind of provides, for instance, Ryan, uh, in, uh, uh, uh breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, there was a sugar mama. Oh, that's, oh, that's okay basically akin like he's he's not a professional prostitute but he is taken care of for his services that we were missing that in the breakfast at tiffany's episodes we needed to talk about breakfast uh, breakfast yeah uh, there were no mentions of shigir or bebez there there was no breakfast there was no sugar there was, there was a bagel at one point there was a scone i guess okay you got another one yeah this is the last one 
Okay. <clears throat> Tall, pretty blonde at Home Goods on May 22nd. Powers Ferry Road. This is very specific. So I think if there's anybody we can help find somebody legitimately, this is the person. To the tall, pretty blonde at Home Goods on May 22nd, approximately 2 p.m. ish. <clears throat> then it gets real. As two strangers pass down the aisle, not knowing <laughs> a thing about, e- about either, you were dressed as Saturday casual for an outing of shopping. As I were for a quick stop for nothing in particular, neither of us knowing each other's name or where we are from, I noticed your presence. I felt your energy. (laughs) You were ahead of me in the line, masked up for your own protection. Although I could not see your entire face, I could see your lovely eyes. I'm going to stop you right there, man. Um, it's, this is a dangerous game. I've seen some people take off their masks, and lovely eyes does not necessarily equal what you would expect. Not that that's a good or bad thing, but just to let you know, there's, it, there's surprises to be had. Uh, <clears throat> your lovely eyes gaze at my way as we are checking out. I instantly melted on the inside. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I immediately wanted to know who you are. I schoolboyishly fell for you on the spot (laughs) as I stood at the register making idle chat with the cashier. I watched you as you walked out the door with your wrapped glassware. I instantly said under my breath, under my own mask, I hope you have a blessed life as you walked away. (laughs) That's so precious. (laughs) It is. I then instantly sensed regret. As the same in the realization of life that you are more than likely important to someone else. Still, I'm sorry, I don't know what that means. Still, (laughs) I felt a connection with you. It's been over 24 hours now, and I still feel your burning gaze. Oh, burning gaze. Your gaze has left an imprint on my soul, which melted earlier. Is that anything? (laughs) God. A connection. But hold on. He wraps it all up. Or they wrap it all up. As this misconnection message may never find you, I just want to say hi. And I also want you to know that there is a stranger in this world who thinks deep down in their own soul that you are special. I know it, for I felt it. Ooh, I know it, for I felt it. That is poetry. I will forever yearn for your gaze again. Signed, R. Damn, you found me out. It's me. So I'm R. My question is, Ryan, what were you doing in Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that you wouldn't figure me out. That was that was a uh that was a wild ride there. That was that was nice. Can I tell you about some misconnections that I had this week? Um sure. I just wanna like I just wanna give give space to this just a little bit and say, like, hey, person who wrote this, it seems like you're rather intense but also rather sweet, so I hope you find somebody. We hope you find love or just connection. Uh, yeah, tell me about your misconnections. <laughs> Sorry, there was there was whiskey in my mouth. Okay, do you want to leave the dentist office first? You know, spit that out, and then we can get back to the show. Yeah, can it just um, go ahead and close. <laughs> <laughs> and suction, nice sucky suction. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> uh, it's very interesting being a dad. Because every time I go out now, at least during the pandemic, every time I go out is with my son 
and he's in a stroller. And I'm meeting other moms and not like meeting other moms like I'm hooking up with them, but I'm just the like com- saw you pa- walking your baby. <laughs> Me, dad. But there's like a mine. what what's the word? Not compatriotism. Um my colleagues, my camaraderie. Uh, camaraderie. There is such a camaraderie among the parents of little kids. And oh, yeah. they they're just like, oh, hi, who's this guy? And I'm like, that's my son. I don't know. What What do you want, lady? <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> talk <they're>... yet. <laughs> but, you know, he's in that cute mode where he wants to wave at everybody. And sure. I'm, I'm just making these, like, very temporary friends with all these moms. And I thought it was really interesting that I'm not running into dads. I'm never oh. running into dads. Oh, no. I'm. I'm running into moms like at Pal's Books. Um, it was just moms in the kids section, and I'm just chasing Theo around, and he's making a huge mess. And all the moms are like, first one. I'm like, how can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> but they're all very nice and very patient with me figuring out how to be a dad with a budding toddler. And it's been... I've been really appreciating the camaraderie from the other moms out there. And I want to ask, hey, dads, where are you? I think they're all in their groups. You got to go walk in a park, my friend. Speaking speaking of which. Speaking of dad's group, let's transition to today's film. What to expect when you're expecting. Tell me a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. I think it's best if I not tell you a story, but just list off our cast of characters. Yeah, because this is um, nothing if not the the love, actually, of baby movies. Or the Valentine's Day of baby movies. Nope, no, it's and not. I think it's better than the Valentine's Day. <laughs> it is. I think I think my broad assessment here is not nearly as bad as Valentine's Day, everybody. So get comfy. It's gonna be an okay time. Oh, that that's that's your your feeling on the film? Yeah. Oh, okay. What's your what's your broad broad stroke judgment on the film? My broad stroke is way better than I thought it was gonna be. Um, <laughs> Were you expecting Valentine's Day? No, I I was expecting kind of a um, like a mix of stepbrothers humor and Valentine's Day. Just because, like on the cover, I'm like seeing like all the comedians and right, uh, like or like maybe maybe like a, a goofier version of um, of Knocked Up is kind of what I was I was thinking right. it might be. But yeah, this uh, this movie really surprised me. I thought it met that perfect place between romance and comedy. Um, uh-huh. And you know, it's not a perfect film, but it really got me in the feels as someone if who's. If I expecting. gave you, if I asked you to put it in a binary, would you recommend it or not recommend it? Oh yeah, I would recommend it for sure. Okay. Okay. Would you? Interesting. I would. I would not recommend it because my thesis that I'm going to probably pursue the rest of this episode is this movie is good, but it's it gets beat at every corner by Knocked Up, and it's just kind of like, why watch this if you can just watch Knocked Up and pretty much you're not going to get the exact same story, but in terms of like 
what it does for speaking to the pregnant experience, I think Knocked Up has a lot more going for it in terms oh, of okay. narrative and interest um, in humor. I definitely disagree, but let's uh, let's get into the story and then we let's can talk get about into that it. later. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about how. Yeah, I'd I'd rather not disagree with you now. Let's save that for later. Yeah. So we here's your you know okay so your your format here is love actually or valentine's day formatting where it's a big ensemble where the characters kind of run into each other why who knows yeah and <laughs> cuz they, they have to they don't really run into each other though i like that they're it's not they're, bad in this they're one they're in proximity like because they day. all kind yeah they all kind of just live near each other yeah, there's never a moment in the movie where it's like, oh my gosh, and this person knows this person. This person, is, well, I mean, there's one point, but it's like really late in the movie and it's fine. It's like and not it totally a big deal. It totally doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. So uh, we've let's, got, let's talk about the, uh, Kendrick first. Uh, okay, let's let's start with Anna Kendrick. Why Anna Kendrick? She's like late into the, into the game. Why do you want to start with her? Okay, we don't have to. I just like Anna no, Kendrick. No, you start. A lot. You, Oh, well, no, you you start with Anna Kendrick. Give give, okay. give us their situation. So Anna Kendrick and Marco. Sorry, I don't know that actor's name. Do you? It's Chase Chase Crawford. And I just want to say for all of us, oi, yeah. <laughs> not a good actor. No, I'm and, sorry. I don't know. I, I don't know you from anything, but oh, boy, you're not good in this movie. I don't know if he's not a good actor, but it he wasn't my cup of tea in this film. Um, I, I think just objectively it wasn't working. I, I, I don't know if it was his fault or the director, but there's just something wasn't gelling here. You know who he reminded me a lot of was um, that guy who hits on Rory a lot at, in the first season of Gilmore Girls, the Chilton dude. Hello, Mary. He's oh, yeah. Tristan. Tristan's his name. Yeah, He's Tristan. Just like, that's Chad Michael Murray. And this yeah. is Chase Crawford. And as I understand it, Chase Crawford is in that genre of boy eye candy. That's He's very just, pretty. Which is not a you know, bad thing. It's not something I'm judging him for. It's just, it didn't seem like there he, was a lot more going on acting wise. They've got him on retainer at the CW. They just oh for you know, sure. <laughs> He's a smooth boy. Yeah, <laughs> they go into their closet of smooth boys and be like, mm, which which what one do we, do we want today? We which one here? is going to fight the Flash today? <laughs> um, the so they both own um, competing. Food carts. Um, at one point in time, they were supposed to go to prom together in high school, but he stood her up because he was also going with someone else. And they hook up early in the film, have sex, and it's cute. And I, I really like Anna Kendrick a ton in this movie, and I love that like food cart culture got its, got its like high five in 2012. I felt and, bad for Anna Kendrick because she was acting circles around this guy, and yeah. it's just I just felt this like. I don't know, like this professionalism from her of like, okay, I I can act with him, but it's just like, you deserve better for a scene partner, at least. I wanted someone to challenge her. Well, sure. We weren't, we didn't get that in this film, but that's okay. Uh, I did really want to see her. So she was in um, Twilight, a movie that we've reviewed on this podcast. Um, But watching her in this movie, she has this big old smile and like these like kind of high cheekbones. And I'm like, oh man, I want to see the Endric. Anna Kendrick vampire. And so now I'm more interested in going back to Twilight just to see if she becomes a vampire later on. I don't know if it happens. She, I, I don't think she does. We don't know. We don't know because we haven't watched the next ones. Man, we, we got to like, we, we should like populate the list with more Twilights just to yeah, like up uh, the chances just to accidentally of hit the them. sequel. Um, yeah. But they basically, they hook up one night after like kind of a, 
a thing where he bets that he can sell more food than her and maybe he wins or maybe he doesn't, but they get drunk and have sex and somebody's not doing the protection because she gets pregnant. Um, she gets right. prego. Let's, let's introduce the rest of our characters. We got Cameron Diaz, who is on this dance, dance show contest thing. That's like dancing with the celebrity people, stars that people are you watch. under contract, like not to say the actual name of dancing with the stars right now. <laughs> yes. They paid me off. Okay. Uh, and she's on the show with Matthew Morrison. Was he a glee person? Was that a glee thing? I don't know. I, I never a saw guy. glee. He looks too old glee for glee. Person. No, I think he was one of the teachers. Let me just oh, double okay. check. Glee. Yes, Glee. Glee. Um, <laughs> Everything's cooler when cameras are spinning. Singing and dancing in unison. In, in, in. Glee is the gift that we need. Glee. So uh, Cameron Diaz is on. She's this like fat camp reality star host. And yeah. she is like on the biggest loser basically she has her own biggest loser type show but she's on this dance show with this dance guy and you know they're hooking up yeah they're hooking up and they they win the whole thing and then yeah i could see this coming from a mile away i knew she was going to throw up in her um in her trophy like i called it three minutes ahead of time (laughs) me too and i feel like all you had to do was not show us that scene where she was nervous backstage right because the there was no suspense you know, because the filmmaking didn't really play anything up. And then there was no surprise because we all knew it was coming. Like you saw yeah. that it was a cup and it's like, oh, she's going to, oh, she's going to throw up in the cup. And yeah. then she does. Yeah. Which here's the thing. Like there are a couple moments like that in this film, but none of them bothered me. I know it could have done more like in, like in any Netflix movie that we've watched, like a set it up, for instance. I'm like, I know you yeah. could have done more, but I'm not going to fault you too much for it. It seems strangely lenient towards this film and strangely like usually on a Netflix movie, you're expecting like the sun and the stars, but on this movie, you're like, "Ah, that's fine. I, the, the thing is I had more fun in this film. Okay. Fair enough. Um, uh, this film directed by Kirk Jones, who directed one of the greatest, um, not, quite a rom-coms uh waking waking Divine, Divine. which we gotta do on the show oh we gotta, we gotta do, do it's it's one of mine and ryan's favorite films and it's i so think good. we'll talk more about him later but he brings a heart to his movies that i like and that's all i'll say on that now but let's introduce more characters then you got j-lo yeah and rodrigo santoro um, Carl was, from Love Actually. Carl. He's, he's, is he only in like uh, ensemble piece films? <laughs> that yeah, are you know, as in terms of like man eye candy, I so prefer Rodrigo versus Chase Crawford. Oh, me too. Uh, Rodrigo's got a chin and like a a sweeping hair and those smoldery eyes. I don't like him as a really charismatic, like lead protagonist guy no, because I don't either in in love actually he's just the love interest and he just plays shy and coy and we can just really feel for Laura Lenny having a hot crush for him mm-hmm. but here he reminds me of how he ruined Lost do you remember him in Lost did you watch Lost I did watch Lost um was he the guy who was like fighting Ben there's a part in Lost Guys, if you feel me, like hit me with a what, what. But there's like mid mid career loss, like season three or four, where these two characters show up. It's him and some girl, and everyone in the audience are like, "Fuck are these guys?" And they just 
show up in the show and they're just they kind of suck the drama out of everything because like we're like what's going on with Jack and Kate and Sawyer and Hurley and then these characters show up and the show is like don't worry about it look at these sexy new characters and we're like no and it really derailed the show and like halfway through that season they're just like you know what this isn't working and so they got killed off randomly it was just such a weird distraction from like our mystery of what was going on so speaking of weird distractions maybe we should get back to these actual characters and what they're up to i'm just saying he ruined lost anyway so Uh, j-lo j-lo and rodrigo are going to adopt a kid because she takes photos and he makes music and they can't have kids. And so they're working to adopt a kid and they get approved way faster than they expect to. And that's where we'll leave them. Um, Mm -hmm. Then you got Elizabeth Banks and Ben Falcone. Ben Falcone (sighs) being the filmmaking partner with Melissa McCarthy. So I was kind of surprised to see him here. I'm like, you should be in a Melissa McCarthy movie. Why is she? Why are you here? I'm glad he was here. Like, I uh, I think this was my favorite couple in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Banks is great, and she owns this, like, baby supply store. Or, no, like, really a pregnant mom store. Yeah, it's, um, it's oddly niche-specific. Yeah, um, and she has, a <laughs> like, this board book about um, <laughs> breastfeeding, which is... <laughs> Very, I also would have expected it in a Portlandia episode. Like it just sure. feels like very, you know, yeah, just very mom friendly. And but mom but she, I liked it. she, she starts off like very, I wouldn't call her twee necessarily, but she's like kind of like all in with motherhood. Yeah. 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 And lo- also trying it. to have a bit, and they get pregnant by having sex in a park near the food trucks. Yeah. While Dirty Dancing is on, which is probably a pretty sexy movie to have sex to. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, not after the first 10 minutes, of course. Sure. Because sure. it starts off with an abortion. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then when P. Swayze, that's how we're, what we're calling him. P. Swayze? P. Swayze? I think it is now. I love that. Yeah. Let's keep going with P. Swayze. Uh, so Ben Falcone's father, his father. Dennis Quaid. Say it loud. Dennis Quaid is here. Dennis Pasha. Quaid is here. <laughs> Who's Dennis- married to <laughs> Brooklyn Decker. Who we just saw a couple weeks ago. And Um, may I say, Brooklyn Decker, something happened to her acting. It got way better. She is really good in this movie. I love her in this movie. Right? Doesn't it feel jarringly much better than the last movie she was in? Uh, I I don't know if her acting is much better. It's just that she has so much more to do in this film. Yeah, and a director that respected her as a person, not just because she's a supermodel. not just a a body. Um, I I, I think... um, Kirk as a director is someone who cares about all the characters in his world. Uh, at least they all have like depth to them. And so, uh, basically, uh, Ben Falcone's dad, Dennis Quaid is a, like he's a retired NASCAR driver and, um, they are having twins. Twins, Basil. Um, and so that's, that's something where he and Ben Falcone have like a, like a kind of a competition where Ben Falcone never wants to compete with his dad, but his dad always competes. Uh, Dennis Quaid is basically standing in for all the boomers, right? All the boomer yeah. dads. Yeah. 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 Totally. With the second wife. Um, and then you have dad's group led by Chris rock mm-hmm. and then he's buoyed by Thomas Lennon and Rob Webble and some other guy I don't know from anything um, who was kind of funny. Yeah. You know they, I, yeah. I, I forgot his name, but like I've seen him in stuff. Amir um, Talay. So, oh, good yeah, job, yeah. Amir. 
Yeah, they were all funny. And I really thought that that was going to be the anchor point that I didn't like about this film. Like I, I thought like we were going to have like our main characters and then this dad group was going to be like a chorus of idiots that I didn't like, but man, I liked them. Yeah. I liked them a lot. And then my favorite character in this whole movie is Joe Mangianello who plays Davis, 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 Davis. who is, there is is something. He is the anti-dad. He is just like single guy. There's something about Joe Manganiello. Manganiello? Yellow? Manganiello, yeah. There's an um, in there. He plays this like alpha guy in everything he's in. And usually those guys I like just hate just being the like, you know, the pudgy version guy near him and just like, ugh, that guy. Everyone loves that guy. But he's just so cool in everything he's in. I'm like, I love that guy. He's cool. And I think there's something about him where like it's just in his smile where he kind of does that sideways, just one side of his mouth, like smiling at you almost like, like if Joe Manganiello was just a little less scruffy and his brow was a little different, he could have played Superman. Yeah. Where it's like, I want him to be my big brother. Yeah. There's a strange humility to him where you don't, you wouldn't normally call a guy like him in his presence humble, but there's something humble because they're like, there's something humble there. Because he's like working out all the time and like he's doing one armed pull ups and he <laughs> nice. he's he's just he just is. He's just cool. I think that's all the characters. Yeah, I think I that's think. everybody. And basically what happens is we follow all of these different people having different experiences with pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean that's the film. Um, yeah, it, it it follows the the spectrum or the the formula you would think it would need to follow. Where we see the first trimester, the second trimester, the third trimester, the rush to the hospital, babies are born, truths are had. The only one that doesn't really follow that is uh, Anna Kendrick, who um, finds out she's pregnant, and then her and um, Marco decide like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have this baby together after like a little bit of rough stuff at the beginning. And then she has an, um, a miscarriage and it's uh, really rough for her. And it's, it is, it is a difficult aspect to the story. And I, yeah. I am glad that the, the movie went there. Me too. I think, I think Robin and I were texting back and forth during this movie and like this movie we both decided was on honest enough and sincere enough to go there where mm-hmm. it was very real. And I don't, th- I think that this movie would have been less complete without that story. And so yeah. that was one of my favorite stories in, in the film. Yeah. I um, liked, I liked that plot. I felt really cheated by how little, character development and other relationship development went into their storyline and I felt kind of cheated by it because like Uh, I felt like that was the most valuable storyline in this whole movie it 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 was like one of those one of those stories that could have been a full film yeah Um, but unfortunately I think Anna Kendrick doesn't really isn't really given room to in this story in particular to go through on screen the amount of emotional like upheaval and change that like would happen to a character that's going through that. A lot of what we see happen happens off screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's camp there and get 
like I think we'll just have to kind of go couple by couple to like get at the the different elements. I think we've got time to camp out with them, right? Yeah, we got time. Yeah. Um, so with them, like we said, they 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 kind of knew each other in high school. There was a prom thing that didn't go off, and then I guess it's five years later now. Five years later, since, yep. Since high school, and they both have food trucks, which. I don't know. Good for you if you're 22 and you can afford to own your own food truck. <laughs> but yeah. that was a little like, wow, you are you really know what you're doing with your life savings, don't you? I kind of love that. Um, the like, it's random that two people from the same high school would own food trucks that are near each other. But hey, we're in a rom com, right? Yeah. And I I called this as well. I knew that they'd own a food truck together by the end of the movie. Oh, like, I, yeah. Like it was it was so obvious. But from the get go, again, I liked it. <laughs> Um, you 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 are you are very generous to this film you are no no i'm not at all just because i could see it coming doesn't mean i don't like it uh i liked the way it was executed i just didn't like marco very much yeah uh so they have this he comes over to her and he's like hey what are you doing with your food truck he's french (laughs) in my version (laughs) <laughs> Marco and, is, by the way, a very white person. <laughs> and uh, he, like, gives her grief. And I know they were trying to do what we like in other movies where it's this really combative thing, like this Jack and Diane thing from last week where it's like they're fighting, but they really like each other, sure. but they're still fighting. I didn't get that here. I didn't think that go- went off at all. Well, I got that, like, for the first like four minutes that they're together. And then the hard thing is, is she basically gets pregnant and then they stop, like they stop having anything interesting between them. What was interesting was like a little bit of conflict. And then he's, he's like, Oh, I don't know how to handle this. And she's like, well, I don't want somebody to like, he handled it poorly. And so she leaves. And so there's no conflict because they're not around each other. And then he's like, shows up and he's like, I'm going to be supportive. And they kind of start dating by just like hanging out together, I guess. But yeah, what was spicy about them is gone. Um, I think it's still sweet though. Like I, I really, there wasn't much there, but what was there? I was like, okay, there's enough other things going on in this movie that a couple of people being sweet to each other is fine. But like the impression this movie gave me was like, I really cared about what Anna Kendrick went through, but I didn't care about their relationship. Yeah. I think if, can we rewrite the movie here for a second? Let's do it. You write your first draft with your heart and you rewrite with your head. I really think that this movie should have been like, if this was the story that was going to happen, that Anna Kendrick's friend in the um, one, I would have gotten rid of her roommates because they're like these weird characters that she watches TV with that. No, like we don't care about it all. I think also, she the should... way they watch their television shows, like they're really invested in reality yeah, shows. I'm like, they're like, no one watches them like this. They're like five year olds with popcorn in the 1950s sitting like a foot from the television. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, she goes through this, um, this miscarriage and it's really traumatic for her. I really wish she had a friend that she was hanging out with the whole time and that like her friend was another character and she was able to say goodbye to Marco and like her and her friend decided to like, 
I don't know, not adopt or something, but like, like I, I really wish that it was more about her friend being there for her when Marco didn't work out, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Do, do, you know, do you see you know, a, a line of that could be more interesting? Well, I, I, I would basically do that. I would get rid of Chase Crawford, just have him hee-haw out of here. <laughs> yeah, he could have been just in the beginning and then doesn't show up and she can't find him. And it's just about her and her friend going through this together. Yeah, and it could start as like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this by myself and I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll figure out how to do it by myself. And like her friend could like step it up. But then there's the, you could still do the miscarriage plot element and just have that as like an existential thing to happen to you of like you're on this path and you're preparing for it all of like all of your identity is preparing for it and then this tragedy happens and you have to like go back to your old life but there's no going back to your old life because you had went through this transformation and just having a friend there you could have shown a really unique dynamic relationship because it's yeah. you know it's usually some kind of partner but like if you could show like this platonic friend stepping up and being there for someone during that shift that would have been interesting yeah. Yeah. And like Anna Kendrick could have had other challenges as well, where like her, like her depression from this could have like halted some other things she was doing. Like maybe she was going to school or something while she did this food cart and she was just like dropping out and it could have been her friend that like helped her get through this and kept moving on forward with her life. I think, yeah, we just rewrote, rewrote a good part of the movie there. This is what they should have done with this. And this is what they would have done now, now that we're in the age of everything is television. Um, hi, Amazon. I saw you bought MGM. Way to go, guys. You're real winners out there. Thanks for making everything about the TV. Um, I'd hit my mic, but there's just no good audio in that. But as I say that, Amazon does have a good television show called Modern Love. And it's a um, anthology series where each episode is a different storyline. And mm-hmm. this, this movie could have worked way better if it was six episodes of an anthology TV show because we could have gotten 60 minutes of Anna Kendrick's storyline and really given her all of the room and space to do that character development and it would all it would all come together it would all fit together and then we would do 60 minutes for JLo's storyline and 60 minutes for Elizabeth Banks storyline so that none of these things feel too thin or too rushed cuz like I think Anna Kendrick's storyline is the most shortchanged out of all yeah, of them. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, but yeah, let's move on from that one because we've—I think—we've kind of talked to that. They get together in the end, is what happens. Shocker. <laughs> um, so J Lo is. This is the classic. She's ready to have a kid, and her her husband isn't, and uh, that's basically their story. Yeah, and you know the the conflict is she's a freelancer and she loses her choice gig at SeaWorld, <laughs> like taking photos. Um, and well, no, it's not at SeaWorld; it's at the Georgia Aquarium, which I've been to recently. Oh, right, right, um, cool which aquarium. is really cool. I think all the shots of the Georgia Aquarium are actually really beautiful in this movie. Oh yeah, it's a very um, photogenic site. But while she is nesting, because basically she she can't have kids biologically, and so they're adopting. And so she's taking all this time to nest. And that means that they're like thinking about buying a house. She's buying all these baby things. And in the meantime, what Rodrigo is doing is going to this group of dads. Yeah. And they're like prepping him to be a dad and showing what it's like. And I'd say as a dad, 
It's pretty accurate. <laughs> I kind of wish that this existed. Like, I want a group of dads to... Kelly, all I have is, is you. All I have is you. <laughs> it's just going to be you and me going on our dad walks. And you know what? I'm just going to open the door. Anyone else out there, dads want to yeah. join, budding dads, future dads, join our dad group. So far, the dad group is just me. But in several months, it'll be me and Kelly. He'll, he'll be joining me in October. And I think at some point, like if we were, if we were able to become Sherpas, like, you know, dads to be, if you wanted to just come on walks with us and we can kind of walk you through the, the shit and pain as it were of being a dad and also all the wonderful joys as well. Like, I'd love to do that. Yeah. I really liked that they went, their primary thing was walking because Uh that's really how I try and like get through the day is taking Theo on walks. Uh, because it just gets so hard keeping him entertained in our house, whether it's in our living room or in his bedroom where he's got all his toys and books. But if we go on a walk, he is the most content when we're on a walk. And this, this totally checks out. Like this was actually to me as a dad, I felt seen. So I really appreciated that. (laughs) And I, I love their circle of trust because they, um, this is something that you and I have as friends, but this is like, you know, they don't talk to their wives about what goes on here. And I like that in a group of friends, whether it's like, you know, a secret society a la, um, uh, good, not goodwill hunting. What's the movie I'm thinking of with Robin Williams? Hot fuzz. (laughs) There's a secret society in hot fuzz. That's not the kind I'm talking about. What's the one where he's a professor at a college and they start the goodwill hunting. No. Dead Poet Society. That's, thank you. <laughs> Dead Poet Society. Um, whether it's that or a, you know, just like a, a group of girls that are like, you know, like in um, uh, I Love You Man, where like the girls all kind of have yeah. their like their group. And then when Paul Rudd like invades that, they're like, oh, shh, 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that kind of camaraderie. And so it's it was really cool to see that in this movie. Yeah. Um, so that's their story. And eventually um, it comes out that he's not quite ready um, to to have a kid. And it's Here, not I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop you right now. Okay. If I asked you right this second, are you ready? What would you say? I don't have all of our stuff bought. But yeah, I'm, I'm 100% ready to have a kid. Emotionally, you're there. I'm, I'm, I've been there since I was like 12, man. <laughs> How do you how do you relate to Rodrigo in this movie then? Because he's the one who's most akin to you. Well, I've been I've been afraid to like um, take a step that a partner has been a hundred percent on board to with before, mm-hmm. and I I really empathize with that. It doesn't have to be the exact situation. We're more and in, in any of these movies, we're more empathizing with the emotion rather than the situation. Right. What right. I, I feel like the point of this movie though is to like as best as it's as it can tell stories that hit roughly uh, different experiences, the different experiences of having a baby and becoming Mm -hmm. a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like his storyline is kind of like, we're trying to reach out to all you hesitant dads to be out there. Yeah. It's half that and half like if you're adopting and this child isn't necessarily of your loins, um, are you, Like, how do you get to the point where you're like, I can love this child, this stranger, um, as if they were my own. And there's certain people and personalities that do that easier than others where like, if you're, 
I think if you're a little bit more standoffish in general, or you're a little bit more like, I don't know, even sarcastic or something like maybe that's a little harder for you because you're not openly like, Oh yes, I, my, my main instinct is to be like loving to every individual. <laughs> that was, yeah. that was really judgmental of sarcastic people. No, so I, that's, I I'm going to, I'm going to walk that back, but, but I feel like this movie wasn't actually getting into those details of his hesitancy. Cause he didn't really verbalize any kind of like, it's not really my kid or I don't really have time. No, to that's, like, that stuff I was reading into his character. I know. And I'm, I'm kind of like, why didn't they get into that stuff? Why didn't we get more? Cause like if we got an hour with him, I feel like we would, I feel like if we got that episode of his storyline, I think we really would have gotten some of those fears and anxieties that were more specific to his, his station. Sure. I, I think we might have, um, this movie did spend a long time on a golf cart race at one point in time that we could have <laughs> cut a little bit, but, um, they did a good job with that. Right. They race, did a really I good job impressed. with it. I, I, it's not that I don't want it there. It's just that I, I do think that I understand what this character is going through, um, both contextually and subtextually. And I got enough of it. It could have been better. It could have mm-hmm. been more steeped in his experience. Um, and with JLo, she, she's going into this thing with a husband who like, we don't get that scene where JLo's like, we're promising this person a, like a new and different life with parents. And you have to be a hundred percent on board with it. It's more that she's hurt that he has fears and is not expressing them as fears, which I like how they resolve it where it's not that he isn't necessarily ready for a kid. It's just that he's afraid and he doesn't know how to express that, which is a very guy thing to do. Yeah. Um, And like one of their main conflicts in the movie is she gets fired from her freelance gig as a photographer at the aquarium, which she doesn't tell him because she's afraid, but I just didn't buy any of the things that they did because she's a okay. She like is is announced in this movie. She's a freelancer. She gets fired from this. It's like you're a freelancer. Like your job is to find other jobs. Well, just because she's a 10.99 employee doesn't mean that she like doesn't have consistent work at this place. Like this might be her sole source of income. I guess so. Just don't call them freelancer then, because if it, freelancer to me it sounds like they're kind of doing a bunch of stuff at the same well, time. Well, I'm a freelancer right now. And even though I'm W2'd at this place, I'm like only there for project. Um, and so if this job that I'm working went away, then like I wouldn't have another job because I've devoted myself to being there for a certain amount of hours right. a week at this job. But, but they're like buying a house thinking that they have a certain income. Yeah, I thought he had a certain income. So I, I don't know why they're relying on hers. <laughs> That's my point. Yeah. It's like... The, the pickle that they're getting themselves into is they're nesting. So they're buying this house and he's like, oh, we can't afford it. And she's like, we can totally afford it. Let's just do it. And he just kind of gets strong armed into buying this house, I guess. <laughs> and they, they go into, they purchase the house. They like go into escrow and like get that far, but then she loses her job. And, and I don't know. I've had, you know, luck come along. Sarah makes a lot of money. So like I've been able to buy a house, but it's just like, I don't think you guys are, are ready to buy a house. No. Like if, if you're in this position where you lose that gig as a freelancer and you're relying on that income to pay for this house, which is like a 30 year mortgage. I, I don't think you guys know what you're doing. Uh, not only that, but like adopting a child is expensive. Like yeah. they are traveling internationally and 
also paying money to like adopt a kid and get that kid shots and like take care of a kid. And it's, I don't know, I'm going through that right now. And there's a little bit of stress there for me and I don't even have to fly halfway across the world to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I found it extremely distracting. I'm like, you guys are making really stupid decisions, this movie. And sure. your arguments don't make sense either because it's like, you've never had this money fight before. And I'm supposed to believe that you guys have been in this long-term relationship. And I just, you just seem kind of emotionally never gone through this before. These these seem kind of the arguments that Anna Kendrick should be having with Chase Crawford, not, not these guys who were led to believe has a more long-standing relationship. Well, they have a really nice apartment. And at one point in time, um, the social worker who's like checking out whether they like can adopt somebody comes in and she's like looking around the apartment and JLo is so nervous. And she's like, oh, we're moving into a bigger house. Don't even worry about it. And it's like, this is a really nice apartment, guys. Like, I don't know if, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's It's really hard for me to, to empathize in that regard, because it's like, you guys are living in a really nice place. I don't really understand why you're trying to like equivocate here. And also the social workers like, well, you're going to have to baby proof this place. And it's like, okay, like that'll be relevant six months into getting the kid. They won't need to do it right away. <laughs> like JLo is like, don't worry, we'll take care of it. It's like, you got time, JLo. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. First time parents though. Sometimes they're worried about a lot of things. Yeah. Anyway, so what's our next couple? Then, uh, well, Let's we got ben-, ben Falcone's fat. <laughs> that's Whoa. his story. No, but that used to be. It's like a secret subplot that comes out where he was used to be this contestant on Cameron Diaz's show, right? Um, and yeah, that's 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 something. But like, basically. Uh, he has he has the more interesting story. I love Elizabeth Banks here. I think she has the best arc in the movie. Um, but basically, Ben Falcone used to be fat, and um, he ended up losing a bunch of weight on this show. And he's very competitive with his dad, and his dad's... Well, he's not, but his dad always wants to compete with him. And I, Elizabeth Banks, however, is just... She starts off with this very idealized version of what it means to be pregnant and have a child. And then like slowly over the course of her pregnancy, reality just kind of soaks into her scenes where, you know, she has bad gas or she, um, you know, is getting large or she's just really sweaty or she pees herself. Like Mm -hmm. all of, like, I feel like Elizabeth Banks is giving 110% in this film. And Robin and I both agreed that we want to see her helm more serious roles after this because we think that she can handle it. And her story culminates with her giving this speech at an expo for babies where she breaks down and she's supposed to be talking about how wonderful it is and how having a child is like a kiss from an angel and all this stuff. And she ends up really breaking down and like saying it sucks to be pregnant. Like it's, you know, there's good parts, but for the most part, it's just a huge chore to be pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) And and that was a great monologue from her. I didn't understand why the audience reacted the way that they did. Cause I'm like, she's speaking truths to you that you all should be relating to right now. I don't know why you guys are so flabbergasted and shocked by her I, demeanor. I, so I didn't really see that in the audience. I saw like a couple people do that. And then it's, there were a couple other people that were clapping for her. It just seemed like a mixed bag. The, I, I couldn't understand why it didn't. end. that's cause they did this a scene after this, but the scene should have ended with them. Like, 
applauding her as if she won the Super Bowl, being like, yes, someone's speaking the truth about our experience, not just kind of this like limp, like clap, like thing. It It was really weird. To me, I I didn't feel that way. I felt like it it felt very real life where you see somebody have a breakdown (laughs) and sometimes... Sometimes like a couple of people would be like, yay. And most people are just like, okay, it seems like you're going through something now. And then later on, once people see that at a distance, they're like, no, that's actually awesome. I'm going to go like find this woman. And so to me, it felt more real. Oh, I, I disagree. I'm saying it's, it, it felt the opposite of real. They, I think they would have all, all responded to her very honest monologue. It's just, it's not, it's not like a breakdown. It wasn't this comic thing where she was like, making a mess of herself. I thought no, she was no, making a triumphant like I thought so too. Thing. But I'm I'm saying in real life I don't see people often stand up and just be like, "Yes, that was amazing. I'm going to It would have felt rather goofy to me if people did that. Well, yeah, but you got that scene right after this where they line up around the store or around the block and stampede her store. Like that's the logic this movie's going after where the people are like bull rushing her so i think the movie could have done it they just did it in a really weird yeah roundabout way oh, i liked it but yeah, i get you uh who's left who we got who cameron we diaz got? cameron diaz uh i liked her i think she was my favorite in this movie oh. she was i really liked her because uh, she wants to be able to do everything that she's been doing and pregnant at the same time, which is totally admirable. And I don't think she was unhealthy about it. I think she was like, she was unhealthy doing lunges. That is something that you do not do in your third trimester. Right. Are very supposed to be very careful. And she should have known that. (laughs) Yeah. And she, she's trying to have this show where she's the host trying to help people lose weight. And there was some weird body shamey jokes that didn't really work, but it's like, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, okay, it's not as bad as like an Adam Sandler thing, but no, it like, wasn't. It was it was towing a line at least. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what I would have done differently, but what what can you do? Uh, and yeah, she has to go on bed rest because she goes from L.A. to Atlanta. I was like, hey, Atlanta, Kelly's there. <laughs> <laughs> and she, yeah, she gets injured and there's a problem with the third trimester in her pregnancy and the doctor orders her on bed rest. Um, and she's kind of by herself because of that. And I thought that was a good conflict. They didn't really get into it, but at least they like got to well, the point the where the guy like, shows up right afterwards. Yeah. Because, uh, Matthew Morrison is got his own show that he's doing stuff on. And it's like, Oh shoot. What do you do if like <laughs> they both have responsibilities like that? And he took a fall on his show in order to come be with her. And it's very sweet. Their their whole arc is that like they both want, he wants a um, his kid to be circumcised and she doesn't. And their arguments are always fun because they're like, like at one point she's eating a banana and um, like, you know, chomping it um, while he's eating a donut. I thought that was a missed opportunity. I thought they should have done more of a Austin Powers kind of split screen thing like they did in uh, Down With Love. But this just felt that was it. Like I wanted more. I was trying to think of what that could be because like you don't want to make it sexual, but you could have like, I don't know, like she I guess she could have torn the banana apart in anger when he was standing like right next to the split screen. And it looks like she's ripping his dick off or something. (laughs) But like it. You know, um, cause it wasn't a sexy scene. They were having an argument. Um, 
but who knows? I yeah, I thought it was like slightly clever. You you are lucky that you get to elude the circumcision question because it is quite a question, and it and this is the other thing where it's like I understood why he felt so like opinionated on it. It's like. I'm the one who knows what it's like. I should have the say. And yeah. it's it's actually a classic argument that's happening in hospitals all the time. I had no idea. I thought it was just a thing that people are like, yes or no, but it does get a lot of debate. No, it really does. Like Robin and I talked about it before we actually like knew what our the sex of our kid was going to be. And like we, I mean, we didn't like come to a decision either way, but we, we definitely perused the different options and we're like, oh man, this is, this is a difficult thing. I had a strong opinion on it. I was surprised to Sarah also had a s- strong opinion on it. And there was actually a lot more discussion than I was anticipating. So there there are things about this movie where it's like, you got really specific about this issue and it was absolutely accurate. And there are other things where it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just glide past that. We need to go back to that. Well, I mean, they didn't have, I mean, this movie was so long and they were stuffing so much into it. Um, I, I love the part where they're in the hospital and she is looking at all the pamphlets because Robin is... Robin is a researcher to her core and uh, she like the woman walks by when they're having that circumcision argument for the first time. And she's like, actually it's more common than you would think. And he turns around and she's not there anymore. (laughs) And (laughs) that just feels like me a lot of the times when I'm in the hospital. That was was a good moment. But yeah, that's all of them. And they all have their kids. The only, the, except for Anna Kendrick. And the only complication is when um, Elizabeth Banks um, has to have a C-section and I love when she gets, uh, put on the, like on the drugs and she's just like looking up at the ceiling. <laughs> what did and she then, say? Like that Panda has sandals or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's, she's such a good actor. And then, but it gets really real, really fast because she's bleeding and they need to remove Ben Falcone from the room and he's helpless outside waiting for her. And it's, I, I, I felt scared. I was like, this movie is honest enough in, in certain respects that it could, actually yeah. kill her off here. Yeah, and he had a nice scene with Dennis Quaid. They they did their arc with such sitcom-y archness that it was a nice scene between them, but again, I wanted more elsewhere. Like, it was just right. one good scene. I feel like we could have had something much stronger. Well, yeah, that's that was the thing about this movie. Like, um, there were certain scenes that felt like they were from, like, a... Not an Adam Sandler movie, but a Will Ferrell film. Like, yeah. the whole the whole scene with the um, like at one point in time, they have like this him and Ben Falcone and Dennis Quaid have this race scene with these golf carts where they're mad at each other and they're racing and they crash through Jimmy Buffett thing. And this is fun to have in a movie, but I don't know if there was time for it in this movie. If you really wanted all the heart uh, to hit you at the end with their story. Yeah. And I think we could probably talk about this later, but I think Richard Curtis made a better template with his ensemble movie. And it's like, you need to be really judicious with your time. You got to be really, really judicious. Well, also he had an extra uh, half an hour in his film. Yeah. But you know, I think Valentine's day is way more a waste of time with everything that they're doing with the hijinks in that movie. And I feel like this is like halfway between Valentine's day and love actually, where it's like, okay, you used some of your time better than, you know, most, but there's Mm -hmm. still a lot of wasted flab here that you could have not done the comic thing and do something a little bit more insightful. Here's, here's what I'm going to say about that, because I agree with you. I think that, um, if they wanted to be more insightful, they could have been, I didn't dislike the comedy. It wasn't like the comedy was bad. Um, I enjoyed 
I, I, I enjoyed this, all this film's parts. It's just that it, like I said, it was a perfect combination of comedy and romance. And I think that if I were to make this movie, I would have stripped away a little bit more of the comedy for some more romance. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the joke when, uh, Rodrigo's talking to the social worker and they're like, why do you want an Ethiopian baby? And they're like, oh, well, we almost got a Guatemalan baby, but you know, Ethiopia, you know, had mm-hmm. it there. And he, and he was like, he's like, all the, all white, the white babies, babies were taken. Were taken. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's some of that, that like fun, like only takes a second joke humor that um, yeah. I, I liked in this film. That's what you should emphasize. Cause that's what keeps it light and fluffy. You don't have to go through this whole thing where there's this big race car driving between the golf carts. It just I agree. I, like I here's much. the thing. Like if we were watching just Ben Falcone's movie with Elizabeth Banks, totally would have a lot of time for that. Yeah. It would work yeah. in their episode. So, well, that's, that's the story. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, we can come back with trope talk after this, huh? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trope Talk. It's like Slope Talk with less chalets. Oh, that was a classy one. Very classy. Mm, very classy. Um, well, Ryan, what's the trope in this movie? I think uh, we probably did this for Valentine's Day. I can't remember, but let's just talk about ensemble. Yeah, ensembles. let's talk about ensembles. What what makes a good ensemble? Ensemble. I don't A lot of different people. A lot of different people that say I. Yeah, yeah. Several eyes. Several eyes. Several dozen eyes, depending on what kind of biology we're talking about. But would you call this necessarily an ensemble movie in the first place? Because they're not in the movie together. They're. They're different storylines. I think, um, what, like that. I don't know what the term would be, but this is like, like a uh, love. Actually, it is mm-hmm. a movie filled with vignettes. Mm-hmm. However, this this movie really takes the amount of stories and condenses them. There's only five main stories here, right? Or five main couples, I guess. And so, it is an ensemble piece. Can we call it a collage piece? Because they're never really, they're mm. just only slightly interacting with each other. So they're kind of just layers stacked on top of each other, not layers mixed in with each other. Right? Like a, Does that make sense? No. Well, because a collage, you just like put things right over top of each other all the time. And you're see this, this feels more like different experiences make it, this, ah, maybe a collage works. It's, it's a bunch of different experiences around the same topic. Whereas I feel like a collage is like taking like a bunch of different things from a magazine and then like trying to make a whole comprehensive piece about it out of these disparate elements. It feels more like a smoothie. It's like, this is all about pregnancy, but there are a bunch of different ingredients. I'm trying to think about a movie where it's, it's truly an ensemble where it's one big cast and they're all just kind of like stuck in the room. Yeah, that's an ensemble film where it's Mm -hmm. truly, there's no leads, there's just this big mass and their whole story kind of like, everyone's correlated with each other. No one's really correlated with this. Uh, Your other alternative is you have a movie like Paris Je Temme, which Mm -hmm. it's not an ensemble film, but it's just literally several vignettes. There's like several episodes. every, Every story opens and closes before we get the next story. Yeah, so this is... 
this is just kind of one form of the ensemble piece. And I, I'll, I'll call I think it we could call it a collage. Piece. Yeah, yeah, I like a collage. So you got Valentine's Day, this movie, Love Actually, New Year's Eve, um, Mother's Day, all collage movies. And I like, I, there are some of them that do a better job at interconnectivity that like, like with this movie, the, the interconnectiveness is just that like, J-Lo took a picture of Brooklyn Decker and Dennis Quaid being naked and I don't know. Pretty good gag, I guess. I'll take it. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Um, And and like Brooklyn Decker ends up being Anna Kendrick's cousin. Which is so irrelevant. It was just just an excuse to get Anna Kendrick at the hospital. Right. Which, you know. Like at that point in the movie, I was like, that's fine. Whatever. Like, like I, it was, it was dumb, but I knew it was coming. So I was just like, it's fine. And you know, I think a lot of that like connection stuff, again, it's so much worse in Valentine's day where it feels forced. And they're like, look at the connections. Like it doesn't matter. I, I think the, the, the successful one though is actually all around us. Love actually. Love actually, like when you find out that um, that Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson are brother and sister. No, it's Hugh Grant and Emma Thompson. Oh yeah, Emma Thompson's just good friends with right. uh, Liam Neeson. And it's such a big thing when Hugh Grant goes looking for his his, his lady love, whatever her cult, Natalie. He's looking Natalie. for Natalie, mm-hmm. and he has to go to like the suburbs to go find her. And, you know, that's a good sequence. But then he stumbles into Emma Thompson's storyline and she's so excited to see him because she she misses him because she never gets to see him because he's prime minister. Mm-hmm. And we actually are like, <gasps> we like, yeah. felt it, her joy at seeing well, it's him. It's because there's some emotion to that moment. Yeah. And like that connection, like, is meaningful to the story at large. And like the like there are some in there that don't quite matter so much. It's like, you know, uh, at one point in time, Martin Freeman meets up with um, like Colin and his friend and they're yeah. like, hey, how's it going? We're at the airport together. And it's like, oh, that's great. But for the most part, like um, having having Alan Rickman be Laura Linney's boss and like encourage her to go after yeah. Carl yeah. is something that like actually does enhance the story. Yeah, for sure. And I think in my, our, our own lives... I love that coincidental nature of like having friends that you didn't even know that there was connections to these people. Like, yeah, like Sarah had a coworker for the longest time. We discovered like later was actually really good friends with my friend from high school, Taco. And they like, they were like friends with the Dave Matthew, not with Dave Matthews, but they were part of the Dave Matthews scene. And that's how they met. They, they met each other and their buddies. And it's like, Oh man, who knows how crazy this world is. They were all connected like that. Yeah, that so, happens all the time in the film industry too. Like Robin and I, um, like when people, when different people that we knew separate from each other found out that we were dating, even though we never knew right. them together, there would always be like that thing where we'd show up on set and like, you know, hug or kiss each other goodbye, and they're like, "What you you and what? you and you 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 you?" And then we would turn to them, and it's like, you know, you also know. Yeah, and I think this movie did the wise thing and was like, you know what? Let's not worry about doing that. <laughs> Because I think they knew that they couldn't quite pull off the Love Actually stuff, and they knew that it failed miserably in Valentine's Day. So, like, let's just not worry about it. I think I think this movie was smart enough to know that it was like something they could pull off as a joke. Sometimes, um, yeah. I would like to see them joke about it a little bit more. But the um, like when Anna Kendrick and what's his name start making out, um, they're doing it on top of Ben Falcone and Elizabeth Banks' car. I was confused. I thought she was literally at her car because she had her keys out, right? 
Was she just oh, that confused? No, no, you're right. No, I got that wrong. They think it's their car because the alarm's going off. And he's like, is that my alarm? Also, why does she have such a fancy alarm on her shitty Honda? I don't know. <laughs> For the joke, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I, I also like with Anna Kendrick, she's fighting with Chase Crawford at that venue. And then she literally zips past J-Lo and they don't know each other. And I was like, that's actually refreshing that they like, yeah. You have your your ensemble like missing each other because they actually don't know each other, and I, I liked that part. Yeah, if it, it felt like like in um, Home Alone two, <laughs> this is sure. a deep hole. But when um, she's like looking for Kevin and she walks past the house that he just crawled up into through the yeah. garbage chute. Yeah, I, I like when characters miss each other in movies or yeah. don't don't actually know each other. Right. Um, but yeah, so the ensemble piece. What is it? Not the ensemble piece, but this collage piece. What is its greatest attribute? I think it's getting at a spectrum. Mm. You know, you're trying to get lots of different experiences and kind of getting them to add up. With, you know, love actually, it's showing the different ways that love can manifest itself. It can be platonic, it can be romantic, it can be sexy, it can be childlike, you know, just getting at these different experiences. And it it has a specific conceit that is we're working around Christmas time. So we're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to approach love around this time of year because it kind of enhances the drama. Yeah. And this it's, you know, same thing. It's, uh, it's about the, it's about pregnancy, but it's more about becoming a parent. And I think mm-hmm. I really, I very much appreciated that we saw the adoption process and saw, you don't just get a kid, like you, right. you still become a parent. And I thought that was the most emotionally honest part when they actually, got the child in Ethiopia, like, Mm -hmm. and they, there is a transformation that we see. I bought it. I was like, good job. You guys nailed it. That was a hundred percent there for that. I was worried that JLo's hair would catch on fire when they were transferring (laughs) the, the, the whole candle deal. And I think, I think getting those different experiences at the same time is something that like, because Robin's pregnant right now. And I know that there's a lot of, when you're going through an experience, there's an, like she's, she and I have like talked before about how, like there are so many different ways that your pregnancy experience can happen. Mm -hmm. Like the, like some people have an like they're barely sick at the beginning. Right. Right. And some people are like throwing up every day. Um, some people are just tired on the couch and not knowing how it's going to affect you and trying to live up to, like an expectation that you think somebody else might have for you is like a a very dangerous thing of going through pregnancy. It's like, okay, what is my pregnancy experience going to be like? And I think what this movie does is it says your pregnancy experience is just your own. Yep. Definitely. And I think that's the most important thing about this movie with Sarah being pregnant. She had friends who had it way worse than her. And it made us just realize like, wow, there was a lot of bullets that we dodged. Like she had friends who had morning sickness every day to the point where they had to get hospitalized because they were so dehydrated. And it's like, Mm. man, it can suck for some people. It can be really, really rough. And I actually really like Brooklyn Decker's storyline in this. because She she sneezes her baby out. And it's like, (laughs) this book says like, yeah, it happens. It totally happens like that. It's just different. And it's, it's almost, it's like sitting on the edge of satire at that point in time. Where, where it's like Brooklyn Decker's ha- like having a baby is so easy where yeah. she doesn't even seem like she's in pain at all. But 
just kind of with the character that they've built for us so far, I'm 100% there for it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Cameron Diaz is similar to Brooklyn Decker. They're both like the physically like go, go, go fit people in the movie. Mm-hmm. And like Cameron Diaz is like tough as nails, but she's still in pain, but she's gritting through it. And it's just, it's, I thought it was very honest. It got, I think, the spectrum. You know, yeah. we, we saw the spectrum. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I think they executed that very well in this film. So, Ryan. Speaking of executing people, would you give this movie a rom-com Oscar? I would. I wouldn't kill anybody, though. I would just give them a regular Oscar. Not even Marco? Oh, yeah. Let's kill him. Uh, should probably make it baby-related or pregnancy-related. Um. I have a lot of worsts for this one. You know, newborn babies seen on screen. Terrible job, guys. Those are like three-month-olds. Not even close. Those babies are huge when they come out. (laughs) (laughs) And they're not even gross-looking. They are goopy, and they are small. They are very small. These were very large babies. Yeah, I knew you'd have a problem with that for sure. You'll you'll have a problem someday soon. No, no, I, I I did as well, but I was just I was I was like, yeah, this doesn't surprise me. Sarah had a problem with it for years, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then we went through it. And I'm like, I know, I know now. I can't I can't not see it. I can't not ignore it. Um, um uh, I gotta have something. Well, you've talked a lot about the things that bothered you about this movie. What did you like about it? Honestly, not much. <laughs> really? Man, I am so surprised. I mean, it was like Burger King. It's like, I'll eat Burger King. I'm not going to go out to Burger King. I'm not excited to go to Burger King, but so, if there's nothing else on the highway, I'll go. So I'll eat it. Just, I, I don't want to spend too long on this, but like to me, this seemed of a very similar quality to something like... Um, set it up uh but it had more depth to it in my mind like a lot more depth actually i i mean this just felt like a vastly improved valentine's day where there's there's so much more value to it and it's certainly not a waste of your time but i thought it could have been much better if it had been retooled can i give it a worst no (laughs) no you you deny me every time i've tried to do that (laughs) why is this so hard for me here, can I can I give it one while you, you think go. about it? Yeah. Okay. So I think that this movie is able to pull off some extremely real moments, whether mm-hmm. it was um, the the adoption at the end or Anna Kendrick um, going through her uh, miscarriage, or whether it was uh, Elizabeth Banks uh, and Ben Falcone's basically whole deal. Um, I think, I think this movie uh, towed a very fine line of giving us comedy, but also getting real. And mm-hmm. so, in that respect, even though it got it ignored some important things in regards to details, I think this movie was very sincere. And so, I'm going to give this movie the Oscar for most sincere. Okay. Oh, I'm looking at its awards right now, and it got a Razzie Award for Brooklyn Decker. <laughs> See, that's not even fair. I feel like this movie got kicked a little bit hard and didn't deserve it. Um, but at the Teen Choice Awards, they really appreciated Chase Crawford. 
for male scene stealer. God. Um, <laughs> I will say actually that this movie has best muscles because I was Davis. <laughs> first of all, Davis. Second of all, Cameron Diaz looks ripped in this. She mm-hmm. looks great. I thought I, I would not be surprised if I heard that she actually trained for this. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Brooklyn Decker, obviously very also physically uh, fit. Okay. Every single person in this movie besides Ben Falcone is extremely fit. Yeah. <laughs> All the main characters. So I'm going with best muscles. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> I think that's totally <laughs> fair. I, 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 I mean, do want to give it yeah. a worse though. I, well, maybe not worse, but I think as a adaptation, because this is an adaptation of a nonfiction book that is what to expect when you're expecting. Which have you been reading from that, by the way? Did we give that to you? Have you been reading it? Um, you did not give me that book. Ooh, um, sorry. We read Expecting Better. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the the format of what to expect when you're expecting basically goes through the pregnancy month by month, and mm-hmm. it kind of gets at like what to expect this month. And like, there's lots of new things of like, okay, your belly's starting to like really grow now. And like, uh, you're starting to really experience morning sickness. And there's always like a guy's section. So really zoomed out, it gets that format in this film's format. The film structure kind of gets at that. I mean, I'm, I'm going to push really hard back against this being an adaptation. It stole a title. Yeah. And there's like, things like there's always a guy section there's always a dad section in each chapter uh-huh. and so i felt like that was represented by guys group which they're actually voicing a lot of things that need to that are said in the book for the guys section so it's like it does kind of move content around like that but there's lots of things that this movie could have done and i know there's not time for all of that but like this movie is really tame about sexuality, which is really weird because everyone in the audience knows how to do what it needs to do to get where you're at being pregnant. So mm-hmm. I, I found it very tame when it came to actually depicting sex on screen because I think we can handle it. I think we all know what's going on in that department. <laughs> and there's a lot of hinting. <laughs> like, like they're like, oh, and they're going down to the bedroom to go to Boomtown. It's like... You could show some of the sexy stuff. We don't. We don't need that hidden. Okay, so you love the muscles and you want to see more sexy stuff. Um, but I, like, it didn't talk about how the sex lives were disrupted. Like, that's a big part of your relationship when you're pregnant. Is like your sex life is going to see some change, for better or worse. It's going to be changed. It's going to be different. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 true. Uh, I think. I think Kirk Jones from the two movies I have seen uh, of him, I think he strays away from sex. Well, I don't see where you can put it in uh, Waking Dead Divine. You know, there's the pigs, you know. I, I do. M- maybe he's, where, yeah. where? Su- Susan Lynch and, um, uh, what's his name? James Nesbitt. Uh, they have like uh, a romance with each other. And uh, they didn't need sex stuff there. I'm saying this is a movie about making babies. Let's see some making I'm, babies. I'm even saying like Ian, Ian Bannon and uh, Finola, what's her name? Yeah, um, Finola Flanagan. Yeah, Flanagan. Uh, they they could have also, like there could have been old people boned down in that movie. I'm just saying um, for a movie about, Sex. It's very strangely tame. About well, this sex. movie is about pregnancy, as you said before. Um, right. But again, we all we all know what it takes to get there. <laughs> We've I, been I, there. This is the first time I've ever heard Ryan say ever that he could have used more sex in a movie. It, you ever. don't have to show it, but deal with sex. <laughs> you no, don't want to see it going with in. The, 
deal with the sexuality. Like deal with your sex life. Deal with because like that's what dad's group should have talked about. Of like, so I, I could have yeah I could have used that. That would have been fine with Chris Rock being like you know I. I, I only get to have sex when I have a kid these days or something right, like that. Right. Know. And like the feeling of rejection or the feeling of like not being enough for your partner. Like there's so much that could have been gotten at that the book actually deals with. And so there's like some deeper truths that the movie like didn't want to deal with and instead went for more broad comedy, which felt cheap. I disagree. Like I, I could have seen that. I feel like you wanted the the movie that I usually want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had such low expectations for this movie that the depth it brought me, um, I was I was pretty on board with. I think it's that if you and I were making this movie, we could have made a love actually. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, that sounds pretty high minded of us because no, we love I, Kirk Jones. I'm very but. confident in the fact that I bet that Kirk Jones wanted to make a love actually, and the studio was like, uh, "Keep it broad. Don't go don't go too too hard on this or that." Maybe I, you really liked uh, Cameron Diaz's story. I could have definitely done without it. Oh, what's um, your what do you not like about C. Diaz. That's my rap name for her. Well, I don't, well, one, I don't really like her job. Um, and they don't really talk about like, they don't really talk about it at all. I feel like the movie's slightly self-aware about it. And, and I, I do like the arguments that she has with, with her guy, but I, I just feel like you could have fit those arguments into one of the other couple's experiences. Like that could have been something that, I don't know, that Brooklyn Decker and Dennis Quaid were arguing about or something. Cause their whole relationship is just having an argument about this one thing. <laughs> Circumcision is an important aspect. <laughs> I know it's one it's, of the things that they got really specifically correct, which is really funny. I know, and you you really like when like because like this is this is a movie kind of broadly trying to capture many experiences that yeah. could possibly happen, and I think it does that well. Uh, I think, yeah, it misses out on a ton of specifics because it's a movie and like pregnancy is huge and diverse. And so them even tackling what they did tackle was impressive to me. And just specifically like landing on, let's talk about circumcision for a while. I know it's like just basically a a metaphor for like the larger arguments that you can have. Here's Uh, how you could do it. We'll move on in just a second, but here's how I, I would have rewritten that aspect. Three montages. Do do a thing where they're already in the book. You might as if the the movie's called What to Expect When You're Expecting. Have the characters reading the book. You're already, you've already done the tie-in with the title, so just keep going. And the book keeps showing up in shots. So Again, I don't think this is an adaptation, but go ahead. Well, it literally is. It, it is an adaptation. Like it's it's no, not necessarily. Yeah, if there's it, no if, story. If it's entered into the Oscars, it's going in as the best adapted screenplay. It's it's based on a book. It's based on a nonfiction book. Which you there's lots of good narrative I don't, fiction on, movies I out that, there based on nonfiction books. I I don't necessarily know if that is like I think that's debatable because yeah, sure you can have a. A, a nonfiction book based on like the life of somebody or, or something. But like, if you like there, the, it's not like they're saying, okay, we're going to do a chapter of our movie based on the chapter of this book. It's no, there's no story. Well, she gets a screenwriting credit. Like it's, okay. it's written by like based on the book, what to expect when you're expecting by Heidi Murkoff. So, okay, fine. I, I'm wrong then, but it seems stupid. It is stupid. They should have just done a movie called Mother's Day. No, don't do that. There's already a movie called Mother's Day. <laughs> but mm. they could have just like escaped this was, whole aspect. I was of trying that. to think of another good title for this film. Um, Prego with Ego? I don't know. 
like imagine if this movie was called Becoming or something like really pretentious like that. I like but that. In a, That's nice. It, yeah. Where, where it was just like about becoming parents. Right. Here's what I would do. We'll move on after I say this thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure we will. <laughs> but three montages mm-hmm. have each montage where the, the moms and the dads, but mostly the moms are reading out loud the book, because why not? And it's like, uh, your first trimester, you will see this, 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 and this. And we get, the movie does this a little bit, where it gets that spectrum of of the experience, we get it in the, in the delivery room where we get, it's kind of a montage. It's going so fast where we see each woman have a different kind of experience in the delivery room. Do that kind of montage three separate times in the movie where it's like, okay, when you get into your first trimester, you're going to notice X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And we get like the different spectrum of that. And then, okay, second trimester, you can see X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Third trimester, you get X, Y, Z. So the movie does it a couple times, but it could have really tied it together of, of that experience of reading the book where you're learning about the different things that are coming. Who would have been a good narrator for that? I think they all could have narrated it. Like JLo could narrate one. Elizabeth Banks could narrate another. And then uh, Cameron Diaz could narrate another. Yeah, I could work with that. That's what I would do to get the full spectrum. But let's, let's, our finale should be my thesis statement that I led the episode off with of, I thought in terms of a movie about the experience of getting pregnant and going through that whole ordeal of getting ready to have a baby, I think knocked up one in every category where it talked about relationships, nesting, becoming a mother, becoming a father, the actual experience of giving birth, I think knocked up wins in every category and you led the episode saying you disagreed so i'd like to see hear your your take on that um where did you have a did you have a take that was my take is that these all these all these moments were good but i thought there was something universal in the specific of seth rogan's character and katherine heigl's character having to figure out a relationship now that she's pregnant having to figure out what is his role in her life? How is she going to be a mother? How is going into labor work? Like all those moments of just like speaking to the experience of becoming a mother and a father just was far more insightful, far more humorous. And you didn't have to have five different couples on screen to get at so many different good moments, true moments that everyone can relate to. Okay. Um, I think what you're doing is wrong. I don't think comparing these two movies as we should have one or the other, or one is better than the other because one gets at like a more personal experience rather than a broad experience is necessarily something we should be comparing. Like it feels like comparing two different war films and being like, well, this is a story about one person in war. And so it feels more personal because we really get to know this character and saying that's more what war's like. Versus like having an ensemble piece about war and having a bunch of different people's experiences and then being like, well, actually, this isn't really what war's like because it's thinned out just a little bit. I think I, I at least I'm not comparing the two. I think that Knocked Up is a unique story about w- these two characters that has a little bit more depth because it's just focusing on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that interesting. But I think this movie does a good job of trying to do what it does, which is say like, actually there's a huge spectrum of things that could happen. And I don't think knocked up was doing that. So I wouldn't say knocked up is better necessarily. I think it's just different. I I don't know. I just feel like knocked up watching it after having 
a baby and watching my wife go through it, I feel like Knocked Up gets at all the different elements with the same person, which may be disingenuous, but I think it's true that for Sarah, being pregnant was awesome, but then some days it sucked, and then some days it was traumatic, and then some days it wasn't. And I feel like Knocked Up showed all those different scenes where Katherine Heigl loses her shit sometimes, but she also likes being pregnant and likes, you know, figuring out how her family life is going to be. And yeah, I just, I, I, like I said before, I can't recommend this movie. I think there's a lot of weaknesses to it, but I would rather just recommend something like Juno or Knocked Up, which is far stronger. And I don't know, maybe just watch the movie for Anna Kendrick and for JLo. <laughs> Like there's like two fifths of the story that is really valuable and works really well. But again, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, not, not three fifths. You're going to not two, three Banks fifths. But again, it's just kind of like, there's so much waste here that it's hard for me to recommend it. Okay. That's fair. I, I am going to do a recommend if you want a, a good time and to enjoy yourself um, without thinking too hard about this film. Um, I think you'll find some, some wonder there. Like Robin and I did as being two people who are pregnant and, you know, going through all of the, the stuff right now. Mm -hmm. Like we, we were, we were pleasantly pleased with it. Well, that's good. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, good for you. I had a terrible time. How how does it feel to be on the other side of things? Uh, I'm just down here in the pit. I, I'm also feeling just, you know, maybe my viewing was a little tainted because I was feeling a little achy from my second shot from yesterday. So Mm. um, now that I'm, you know, on. Hey, congrats on getting it, though. I'm vaxxed. I'm waxed. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Where where did you get waxed? I don't know. And why? Okay, I'm not waxed. Uh, well, before we go, did we, did you get any visits from the train man these days? Before we go, we haven't even talked about who we'd fall in love with yet. Of course. Well, tell me, who'd you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, I love, I love you. I know. You know, I think most people in this movie I would fall in love with, mm-hmm. like not Dennis Quaid and not um, Marco, um, but everybody else was just fantastic. Um, <laughs> I almost said Davis, but Davis, Davis. I, I don't think so. I think um, I I really like. Anna Kendrick, but I'm going to have to go with Elizabeth Banks in this one. All right. Um, I almost like, I don't know. There were so many people that I could have said yes to, but I just loved her story so much. And I, uh, I, yeah, I'm just going to say her. I don't have much else to say about it. I just really liked her in this film. She was genuine and sweet and a beautiful soul. So I totally, I totally agree. What about you? I'm going with Anna Kendrick because I think in terms of admiration, I'm so with a guys group in Davis. Like I would so be a part of that, like fan club, the Davis fan club of, I would mm-hmm. totally be like, yeah, Davis. I would totally be like that. High five, <laughs> please. <laughs> but I would really fall in love with Anna Kendrick because I think she's got a good heart and a sweet spirit. And it, I just think it's a shame that we didn't get to spend more time with her and really get at her Me too. stuff. 
Um, but we did have a visit from the train man, actually. Um, uh, it was, it was a crazy story. I basically, um, <laughs> actually, can I tell you a story? Yeah. Joe, my roommate here, we were, uh, driving down the road and some crazy person like pulled out of a, um, a driveway, almost hit the curb, almost hit another car, almost hit a pedestrian and just kept driving. And so we started following them and I'm like, Joe, call 911. And she was like, okay, I'm going to call 911. <laughs> and so we follow this person for like a mile and a half while they almost hit like 10 different people. And they're just swerving back and forth, and back and forth. And we even pull in front of him at one point in time, just to try to slow him down. And it's just like the 17 year old kid who is like super drunk or something. And then like I pull out of the way cause, um, he's going to hit me and he slows down, stops and then drives forward really fast and hits the car in front of him. Oh, but like <laughs> and so, stopped for good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he hit the car in front of him, stopped for good and everybody in the car was okay. And we had to wait like an hour for the police to show up to give a police report. Mm. But, uh, while we were there, the train man drove by <laughs> and just said, ha 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 chaos. And then threw a paper airplane at me, which had your essay for the week, uh, uh, for our Patreon. Nice. So what was it about? that was nice of him. What was it about? Um, uh, well your essay, I, I read it there while we were waiting for the cops sure. and, um, it was just kind of talking about the, the, the death of perusing channels, basically mm-hmm. the, the fact that now that streaming services has taken over, um, there, you can't just sit back on like a Saturday afternoon and kind of flip through the channels until you find something and maybe even just like land in the middle of, you don't reference this, but I remember this happening to me once. It was a Saturday when I was sick and I landed about 25 minutes into weekend at Bernie's uh-huh. and I had no idea what was going on, but I just loved it. Yeah. And later, like months and months later, I found that movie and I was like, I'm going to watch this whole thing. It didn't really change the movie much, but it was still enjoyable to go back and watch the whole thing. Yeah. And you're just kind of talking about how you are nostalgic for that and like what it would look like if streaming services offered a random like viewing experience. Cause you know, when you're with your partner trying to figure out a movie to watch, it's this high stakes game where you're like flipping through things and maybe you want to watch something new. And like, you're looking at a, the film description and the poster and like, maybe you watch the trailer, but it's like, do you want to gamble and spend the next hour and a half to two hours on this movie? That might be good. Whereas when you're flipping around on channels, you can just sit there for a few minutes and if it catches your eye, you can just keep going and just watch the rest of it. And you know, you're just, you're not really committed to the experience. You're just kind of you know, watching it. And I just think there's something to that. Like, no, you're not getting the whole film, but you're giving it a better chance than you are than the movies that you're just scrolling past on Netflix. I, I, I mean, I really get that feeling, but as I was reading the article, I was like, man, this is dad, Ryan really wishing that he was high school. Ryan still <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, well, it was a good article. And if you want to come check that out, uh, that's at our, um, that's at our Patreon site, which I apparently Ryan, I've been saying, uh, URLs wrong this whole time mm-hmm. because Robin, Robin called me and she's like, the one thing that is like my pet peeve <laughs> you guys do where I say backslash instead of forward slash, right. um, for, for the URL. So it's, www.patreon.com forward slash romcom gents. And you can find not only that article there, but also our monthly, um, 
bonus episodes. This month, we're going to be talking about the video game Portal, so check that out next week. Um, and if you are listening to Triple Click and you're waiting for their bonus episode, don't. Listen to our bonus episode on Portal first. Then you can go listen to them and the McElroy guy. I can't remember which one. I'm sorry. But one of the McElroys is going to talk about this It was probably too. Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's going to be great. Ryan just finished it for the first time and I decided to play through it again for like the 12th time. It's a really fun, simple game and I can't wait to talk to you about it. And J.J. Um, Abrams wants to make a movie of it. Literally, it's it's in the production pipeline. They're trying to make a movie of Portal. Man, I like it's just going to be an adventure film. Like there's really not a lot of plot yeah. to it. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's great. We'll talk about that later. Um, and then the other stuff you can, you can vote for our monthly movie poll. Uh, can we get an update on the poll, right? Yeah. So I'm looking at the poll, our May movie poll. Uh, we got some more votes in. So, uh, we're looking at the movies that, uh, are on the docket are just like heaven, a night's tale, Pleasantville and the proposal. And just like heaven has pulled ahead. It is now, it's now in the lead. So if you want to make a Night's Tale happen, you can jump onto the Patreon for just $2.50 a month. Just a drip coffee at Starbucks is all you need to do to be able to vote in these polls. And hey, we would really, really appreciate it. We spend um, a lot of time every week, especially these last couple of weeks where Ryan's been taking care of his baby a lot. And I have been working an average of like 80 hours a week on on this show. Um giving this to you guys takes a lot of our time and we love doing it. But if you do want to show our appreciation, we would sure appreciate it. And you'd be helping uh, take care of babies. 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 And I'm going to have such a cute BB and then, and then maybe, maybe we'll get them on the air at some point in time and you can see what you've done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Ryan, did we get any letters this week? Uh, not for me. Not for me, monsieur. Oh, well, I think we got a letter. Uh, from the rom-com gents email. Excellent. That, that old, um, <laughs> that old cesspool in the sky. <laughs> hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you've got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. Um, let's see. This is from good friend of the show, Darcy Juarez. Hey. Darcy says, hey, gents. So this is a pretty minor example of what you were talking about, but I immediately thought of Frozen 2. Um, What she's talking about is uh, the fact that the other day we were like, what is the 80s version of Down With Love? We were kind of trying to figure out what that would be. And she immediately thought of Frozen 2. Not sure if you've seen it. It has a lot of moments, especially in the music, that refer back to the 80s. Kristoff sings what is basically an 80s love ballad that is presented in the movie as a music video, complete with hair flips, dramatic lighting, and the singer being faded into the foreground. Really? I found it such a surprising gem and really enjoyable. Incidentally, I liked Frozen 2 a lot more than the original. And then she has that little emoji that is like somebody holding both their hands up and going, What can you say? Cheers, Darcy. And I actually haven't seen the second one, but I've heard from a lot of people that it's better than the first. So I would like to take a look really? at this. I really yeah, like I, Frozen 1. I haven't seen Frozen 2, but yeah, this sounds great. Yeah, I, I don't really think that's what we were talking about, but I do love when a certain style of film is inserted into like a moment in another movie. Right. Yeah, I... And so now I'm really interested to go see this movie. Maybe we'll come watch it with Theo when I get back. Aww. 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 Next week. I'm coming back next week. Yeah. I'm going to be recording with you in person next week. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Yeah. Well, 
shall we pick next week's movie? I think we should. Give me a number between mm-hmm. one and 178. Five Ooh. for the amount of couples in this movie. All right. We got a solid entry with L.A. Story. Steve Martin's L.A. Story. Whoa, All cool. Right. I've been waiting for this one for a while. A little heavier on the comedy side, this one. All right. As, as most Steve Martins. I love me some Steve Martin. This is great. Well, from one um, Atlanta uh, semi-permanent residence uh, to a Portlander. I hope we have a lot of fun talking about the uh, L.A. story next week. And, you know, Ryan, you're a great dad, and I love you. Hey, you are a great dad to be, and you're already, you're like pregnant dad, so you're a great Wait, dad too. Can, can, can you can you tell me I'm already better than I think? You're already better than you think. <clears throat> and this is where we will say oh, goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. <laughs>